Hello and welcome to the Science Fiction Book Review Podcast. My name is Luke Burridge and this is a show where I review every single science fiction book that I read as I read it. There's no set schedule, it's just whenever I do a, finish a book, I do a, a review, stick it up here on the podcast for everyone to download and listen to. Uh, joining me today is Juliana. Say hello, Juliana. Hello, everyone. And you're laughing at me because I messed up the introduction. Um, it's only because you interrupted the first I time know, I did the introduction. it's my fault. Losing, uh, losing count of what it is. So we're continuing on with the series of, uh, no, we finished a series of how many books can Luke read and review by the time <laughs> Juliana finishes an Alistair Reynolds novel. Yes. Which uh, in the first, the first one, Absolution Gap, it was, uh, it was five novels, mm-hmm. uh, and the second one was one novel, but it was, it was a five novels worth of one novel with a, a Brandon <laughs> Sanderson fantasy epic. Anyway, I started reading Inhibitor Phase, which is like book. We could call it book four in the Revelation Space series, or we could call it book six because there's also like yeah. Chasm City and other books in there as well. Yes. Um, but uh, but otherwise, it's it's the follow-on book from um, Absolution Gap, which is the third book in the Revelation Space trilogy, which tells like a complete story or a continuing story yes. of different characters and the captain of the ship and the, all the other, you know, nostalgia for Infinity and the hyperpigs and all that kind of stuff in in, uh, in Yellowstone and the Glitter Band and, uh, no, the, 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 Rust, the Belt. Rust Belt. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. He wrote these books, uh, Alistair Reynolds wrote these books back in, uh, in like 2000, 2001, 2002, 2003, um, was, the, was the original um, Revelation Space. In fact, I could probably click on this, this uh, thing here and see exactly. So yeah, Revelation Space came out in 2000, uh, Absolution Gap came out in 2003. So, you know, those, those, that first trilogy, yeah. pretty old. You know, yeah, now yeah, yeah. pretty dated. Well, I wouldn't so, say dated, but you know, you, can... you said trilogy. What's the second book then? In oh, Re- Revelation Space, Redemption Arc, and yes. Absolution Gap. Okay. And we on this podcast had reviewed. I'd already reviewed Revelation Space. Yeah. And then we listened to it again as an audio book. Or did you just read that book? I, I think I read this. You just read the book as a, a book. Yeah. Uh, actually, I think I read it in German. For yeah, the, maybe. For the uh, but first then book. we listened to Redemption Arc as an as an audio book yes. during some trip somewhere. Yeah. And then I was like, inhibitor phase. Here it is, a new book that came out, not like in 2004, which you'd expect the new, next <laughs> book of this series to come out, but no, in like 2021. So I started listening to the audiobook, and um, there was actually an issue with the audiobook. It cut off halfway through a chapter, and then the chapters oh. were misnamed or something as we, as we went through. And uh, so I went and uh, looked on Alistair Reynolds' blog, and he said, Ah, oh, here's actually some, uh, there's been an issue with the audiobook. It <laughs> tra- cuts off at the end of this chapter. Here is that chapter, like that, you know, here is that all of the, all the stuff that was chopped out of the audiobook so I read that right and then as I was reading that I was like hey wait a second this is obviously referencing a lot closer it's it's a a, a more direct sequel to Absolution Gap than I imagined it would yes. be I thought it was yeah. like another adventure or another book set in the Revelation Space Universe and it wasn't it felt very much like oh the, we are now directly like uh, referencing events and people and things which continue on the revelation space main trilogy storyline definitely definitely and so i thought well it's time to go back and to and to reread for me um, absolution gap and for Juliana to read it for the first time. And that's what took a long time because it is a chunky book. Chunky. Alistair Reynolds kept on writing. Back then he would write a book and then the next book would be bigger and chunkier and have more <laughs> themes and characters and everything. <laughs> and then the next book would be even chunkier and bigger and th- have more themes in it. And then the next book, because like Chasm City was re- released in there as well. Like it's sort of yeah. like, all right, one, one book each year, bigger and chunkier than the rest. <laughs> and he kind of peaked with Absolution Gap. So it, it is probably one of his biggest, chunkiest books. Um, so yeah, we went back and listened to that. I listened to it as an audiobook. You read it as a as a as paper book, e-book. didn't yeah. you? Ebook. It is an ebook, mm. and uh, and we both very we both had it very highly rated. Yeah. Um, what that book did though was kind of it had like three or four different storylines spread over four different time frames, mm. which as the book would go on, got closer and closer together, and you realize, oh, this character, those characters in there are actually doing this behind the scenes in that book. Those characters there is actually well, they, they renamed. A character and they've taken on a different identity this person's lost their memories of the other thing that happened back there and it's slowly being revealed to them um in uh, you know as it goes on and it's this really big wide-ranging story set across different time frames and different planets and it all comes to a head at the end of the book when all the characters from all the different storylines arrive in one place at once yes um so not only is it a chunky book it was like 27 hours of the audiobook yeah um it was like, say, very wide ranging and you had to keep lots of things in your mind at any point. 
Um, it turns out inhibitor phase is the complete opposite. And that's what, how I just want to phrase this book. Is that... Okay. Uh, like, oh, well, not phrase this book. I want to frame this review mm. in that this felt to me in many ways like Mad Max Fury Road or mm. one of those Mad Max things. In other mm. words, right, here's some characters who are desperate. Yeah. And... They are in a post-apocalyptic situation and they are like, right, we are here. We've got to escape in that direction and keep going until the movie ends, <laughs> kind of, pretty much, you know. <laughs> yes. There's some MacGuffins that they're going for along the way. Yeah. Um, but pretty much it's sort of like a small ragtag group of people who just go, like, ju just go. You never leave them. It, there's one, with an asterisk, there's one point of view character. Yeah. He starts off in one post-apocalyptic planet and, you know, goes in one direction with the one group of people. They have adventures along the way. Yeah. And then the book kind of comes to an end at the at the end of <laughs> the book. So I would say compared to all of the other Revelation Space books, the previous ones, this is kind of streamlined in a way. And also the audiobook, let me say, instead of being a 27-hour audiobook, it's a 19-hour audiobook. So, which is like a novel less it, worth of stuff yes, in the book. Yes, it's still... It's still a lot. It's still a chunky book. It's yeah. still a long novel, considering yeah. I would say like novels should be like audiobook wise should be anywhere between 10, 15 hours. And I'm like, oh, that's a solid audiobook. It's like yeah. it's a bit longer than that. Yeah. It's no 57 hours of, of a Brandon Sanderson fantasy novel. Yeah. Um, it's what? about a book that took me about a month to read. Yeah. That's the kind of well, like length. Yeah. Sure. I mean, I'm not worried about the length of it taking to read. Like I started this in um, in September. And again, I read the first like seven, eight chapters. I listened to the audiobook of the first seven, eight chapters. And then we uh, and, and then I paused and read like, you know, Absolution Gap and all of those other books in the meantime and then picked up again. And I kind of just went on with it. Um, actually, when I realized when we were driving down to the Czech Republic, I, I asked you, whereabouts are you in this book? And you're like, I'm chapters seven or eight or whatever. Yeah. And I was like, great. Yeah. What we can do is we can listen to this section so we actually listened to a bit of this as, as an audiobook when we were driving down to the Czech Republic on yes. holiday a month ago yeah or whenever it was that's and, when I kind and of then picked I, up again. I picked it up again in the book in the ebook yeah yeah so because weirdly enough because this book is kind of so straightforward um I think I have less to say about this book I have far less to say about this book <laughs> yeah. than re uh, like the other revelation space and absolution gaps because like I could I mean, there's lots of stuff in it, but it yeah. is so much a direct sequel to Absolution Gap that if you haven't read Absolution Gap, I would say don't read this book. You know, yeah. Alison Reynolds at the start says, hey, it's possible to read this book um, as a standalone novel. All you need to do is read the glossary or his mm. or whatever. You, you yeah, the, pointed this out yeah, to me as well. In, in the beginning yeah. of the book, there's kind of like a note by the author saying yeah. that uh, here is some little bit of context. And if you yeah. want need more, you yeah. just go to the back of the book and there's um, everything a bit more laid out the yeah. the timeline the yeah. people and everything like just to remind you or if you haven't read any previous books but you can't really i think you really need the to understand the characters yes fully you yeah. need to know well, not just the characters but just the world building yes. there is so much yeah. world building in here yeah. but here's what i want to say in my like this is alistair reynolds go at like a, a, a mad max story is that at the start of mad max fury road he you he has these like flashback things you know mm. to to things which aren't in the previous mad max movies no. like his car the ca same car that he he drives has been destroyed in all three mad max <laughs> like he starts off with this car yeah. and it gets destroyed in all all of the movies like the character like the characters are doing the same things you know the same characters turn up to the point where the actor who plays um the um imperator no what's his not what's it called um, immortan joe yes is the, the, the it's the same actor who yeah. plays toka to the main bad guy in the first movie or the yeah. second i can't in remember the, which the one movies it is from the 80s. Like, yeah like <laughs> these movies from the 80s they just bring back the same actors who died like their characters died and they just come back and like you're doing the same thing yeah and the you know that the uh um that the was it Nux or whatever his name is who's got the white face you're mm. like why are all these people got like why are these kids got all these young guys got white faces like oh in the third movie there were some young kids with white faces who aren't 
related to these? Like, it's it's weird. It's that weird thing. But you just can be thrown into Mad Max Fury Road and just go, don't worry about the world building. Yeah. There are reasons behind this. And in, in the movie, it's like, it, it looks cool. And, yeah. you know, he's taking the best, you know, George Miller, the director, is just taking the best bits from the previous movies, just using them as inspiration and, and making, just running with it. Making yeah. his own Mad Max version. Yeah, he's just basically. making another yeah. play on that theme. Whereas Alistair Reynolds is doing less of that. But if you're just thrown into this world, you would just be like, wow, this is a very real, well-realized, very interesting world. Yeah. And and again, with with uh, like the Mad Max viewer, I don't want to go too much into this analogy, but I'm just saying it felt that very much because in Mad Max, what you do is you have a small group of desperate people mm-hmm. who and one person doesn't want to be a hero and it ends up he's the hero. You know, yeah. this uh, one guy who comes along as a hero and you have this ragtag people who are going in like one truck um, or one vehicle yeah. and they are going along to different places and visiting different things and going through different dangers and then there's some revelations along the way. And uh, yeah, and it just is kind of like a very straight line from one point to another. In yeah, this book. it really is. Even to the point where in this book, they go to the Thunderdome to the, uh, <laughs> well, it's not really the Thunderdome, but they go back to Yellowstone yes. and go back down to Chasm City. And there's this um, pig cannibalism slash pig eating. And when I say pig, I'm talking about hyper pigs, which are the humans crossed genetically with pigs. So their hands are a bit more like trotters. It's like really dystopian kind of yeah. stuff, yeah. which again, these the hyper pigs have been here throughout all of these revelation space novels yeah that um, was um, introduced right at the beginning right in yeah. the in the first revelation space yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and but yeah. In, in this case we have scorpio is back again mm. and i laughed when there was another pig and the pig was called snowflake and i was like oh right very good very good alistair reynolds that you bring in these different things yeah um and also weirdly enough the characters who are crossing over the, the characters who are there in these previous books in this book they're the same characters but they have all taken on new names yes uh, which i thought was, was they're like new yeah. personas yeah like they they, because give you, yeah give cause these characters they all live like hundreds of years with yeah. the re- re- rejuvenation and it seems to be very clear that like oh you think this is the same character as from before like this in the same way mad max turns up it's sort of like it's the same guy it's like yeah but it's a different character like yeah. there's a different actor playing it and he's there's no overlap with the previous and it just feels like a very disconnected even though you're like oh scorpio is in this book but he never called like that nobody ever calls him scorpio yeah is um like is is part of the book like he's he's a new person now yeah, and the other characters who have crossed over from the other books are also new like newly formed characters yeah a lot has happened in the in the intervening time it's yeah. kind of like they they shed uh like you know with a the snake they took the the skin off and yeah. left it behind with all the the memories and all the yeah. the previous characters that yeah. at the, in the previous uh, stories also left yeah might it be because they died or however they left yeah they also then left the 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 character the persona that they yeah. were at that point they left it behind and g- gave yeah. themselves some new uh yeah some new story you could say they were like snakes shedding the skin you could say they yeah. were like hermit crabs going to another shell yes or something like that upgrading the Upgra- shell upgrading a shell to a different <laughs> thing that fits a bit better this yeah. time yeah yeah um, I'm only saying that because there's literally the the shell builders or what, they, what are they called in the uh, um, the uh, in in the book the the um, the crustacean uh, like oh, yeah. uh, aliens in this book shell builders shell mm. something something anyway I could I could look yeah, it up yeah, but yeah. I'm not sure um, yeah so this is a book where um, yeah a group of people a desperate people try and find the MacGuffins and yeah. go on and it's very difficult for me to kind of talk more about it because I'm going to either spoil a lot of what happens in previous books yeah. of, of this series or spoil a lot of what happens in, in this book and I wouldn't even say spoil it but like I want to talk more about the some of the identity and the viewpoint character stuff but uh, it's it's spoiler territory Um uh, as we get deeper into the book, yes, of the, the the revealing who the different characters are and what's what's happening and what's going on with them. Yeah, yeah. and I want to say this this book is so story dense. Like this only that there is only story going on. Yeah, um, there there's uh, things happening, uh, and if if we don't follow this person, uh, the story happens somewhere else. Yeah, and so it's it's really difficult to to give a um, an overview or like yeah. an impression of the book because it is 
is just a story happening and again and again. Yeah. I want to say some of this is quite um, horrific. Yes. And it, this is the theme that continues from Absolution Gap. Yeah. Like it doesn't. The, it doesn't get rosier. And it doesn't get no. It's quite the opposite. Yeah. Um. It's it has more themes of this body horror and a lot and, of body horror and mind horror as well. Yep. And um, but we're, we're get we're getting to see even these these people who are from our point of view, like you know they live for however long they want to live. They have mm. access to these med pods and like yeah. they where they are is really advanced. Yeah. But it doesn't change anything to their to their suffering. Yeah, it's because it is post-apocalyptic mm. fiction. Mm. But the apocalypse is science fiction and galaxy scale or yeah. human civilization scale. So a lot of post-apocalypse is sort of like, oh, civilization has broken down mm. and we're now stuck in a small village in America. Yeah. But now imagine that small village in America is like a, a planet mm -hmm. on and with a with a colony of people on that planet mm. who were just hiding from the inhibitors, hiding from the wolves, mm. which is the you know the great science fiction trope of like something which wipes out intelligent life. You know that's yeah. it's a it's a post apocalypse of this thing is wiping out intelligent life across the galaxy and yet yeah, the the apocalypse has happened on a galaxy-wide scale rather than like most post-apocalypse which is sort of like oh zombies in north america yeah. or something plague in you know worldwide or yeah. like in mad max which is like this bit of desert in australia mm. or namibia or wherever they move wherever they're filming it or wherever it's meant to be set you know yeah. it's not even really clear yeah. like what's going water on scarcity yeah what yeah there's not enough water there's but there's plenty of fuel weirdly and and bullets but you've got to go to fuel town and bullet town to get the fuel and bullets <laughs> yeah. and then the water comes from the water you know it's that same kind of thing yes. in this book like it's bleak it is post-apocalyptic mm -hmm. and it's people like they say desperate people mm -hmm. just how the book begins it begins with someone says i failed my uh i failed my colony my little post-apocalyptic hideout here yeah. so i'm going to give my life i'm going to risk my life to save them mm -hmm. and then he's kind of annoyed that he doesn't get to kill himself <laughs> saving his own his uh his planet you know his colony he doesn't on his get planet. to become the ma martyr yeah he he was like oh i was my my atonement was going out and being a martyr and then I didn't die and now I've got to go back and be like well no I paid my atonement I risked my life they're like well you didn't die and you know it's that whole weird stuff at the but start. I did go out and could have yeah. the <laughs> other thing which I found weird is when I when we were reading Absolution Gap I said then there's this prologue at the end of Absolution Gap yes and I said that and, and I made it clear that what happens in this book inhibitor phase mm. is taking place between the end of the main story of Absolution Gap and then the epilogue of Absolution Gap Gap, like yes. the afterward where they say all right and now 400 years later this is all happening and yeah. you're like wow that reframes that entire previous novel yeah. the epilogue of absolution gap is the framing device of this entire novel yes so there's some things which are like mentioned in there mm. um where there's that weird like time is it a time loop is it a thing what are the green things that are spreading throughout the galaxy what's all going on there and in this book all the way through i was waiting and going hmm when is that going to pop up like how is that <laughs> yeah. going to work what's that going on and also the shell builders like when are we going to meet them and there's obviously more stuff going on with the shell builders what's actually happening there and why are they still hiding between yep. the stars and why aren't they doing this and when and all the way through i was waiting for these things to pop up yeah. and then in this book right at the end of the book it's all kind of explained and i was like oh it's been here all the time <laughs> actually this thing that they've been carrying with them on this spaceship all the way through yeah is the thing that's mentioned in there mm. and this thing that's being spread throughout the galaxy that's mm. mentioned in the epilogue of absolution gap is is they that's what they've been doing one of the reasons why it felt like mad max and that they're like we go here and then we move on to there and then we mm. move on to the next place and then we move on to the next place is them spreading that thing throughout the throughout the uh, the galaxy and i was like 
Alistair Reynolds, you're very clever mm. and you're kind of more clever than like me thinking this. I thought, oh, it's a very straight line story. Like they're going here and they're going here. And I was like, maybe they didn't know to go there and there and there. But at the end, you're like, oh, no, they had to go yeah, to those yeah. places because they're actually like seeding the galaxy um, with what's been mentioned in this epilogue. And I was like, yeah. oh, OK, that's that's clever. And there was more things like that that are clever, which I want to talk to Juliana about. But we are going to get into spoiler territory. So I kind of want to do a uh, blow the spoiler horn and uh, and keep going with this. What do you think? OK, yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, the thing is, I, I said, as I said, I I can't really say anything. Like, there's yeah. not really much to to say to keep it on this shallow level because this book is <laughs> everything but. Okay, well, before we blow the spoiler horn, mm. other things that I really like about this book is some of the um, is the references, of course. Beforehand, of course. we're yeah. talking about all the biblical stuff in this, and I made a mistake and I said, oh, in the previous book they're on Ararat, and it mm. was a joke name, and I said Ararat was where the um, where the Israelites went when they came out of Egypt mm. and they had to wait around for 40 years before they went into the promised land. Um, a listener messaged and said, actually, Ararat is where the ark, it, it, was, the, it was the mountain where the ark uh, landed. Right. So I got mixed up with the Sinai, Mount Sinai and Mount Ararat, which are these two different parts of, you know, in two different bits of, of the book. A mountain that, um, yeah. in the Bible. One's in Genesis. <laughs> Ararat is where the ark landed. And of course it is because it's Redemption Ark. That's yes. like the name of the book. Yes. Redemption Ark. The ark lands on Ararat. Yeah. Fine. Whatever. But of course, all of the stuff is right there in the book, you know, mm. with yeah. in the previous book. And I was saying, oh, you've got these people who are coming out and all the leaders have to die before the new people get into the promised land. And Vasco is like Joshua or whoever the characters are. In this book, they're looking for the Gideon stones. And I'm like, they're just carrying on. Like yeah. we've done, we've done all yeah. the, you know, the, all those Deuteronomy and all of those kind of stuff. And we're continuing and it's just, we're into judges and then we're Kings and Chronicles. You know, you yeah. can just go through the Bible yeah. and pick out what the next reference is going to be as we go through. And so part of our trip in, in, in the Czech Republic was then uh, us and like me asking Luke about uh, these yeah. biblical references because yeah. I don't get them. Like yeah, I, had a full, I read, yeah. I mean, of course I read Gideon stones and there there is no other reason to call them like that yeah. if you don't have like a uh, yeah, if you don't have a uh, a thing to to reference it to. But here, but the point is, the people in the novel are self almost self consciously referencing biblical history or biblical themes and biblical tropes or whatever yes. you want to say. Like when they're at the planet, when they go to the pattern juggler planet, and they have the pigs with them, and they're like, right, we're going to set up. This is now going to be the pigs' promised land, and we're going to wake people up. How many people would you wake up to set them to work to be rebuilding something new? Like how many people is it? <laughs> going to be like you know how many people it's going to be yeah. it's going to be 12 yes and then you're going to call them the 12 and you're like we're right, we're right there. there like we're right there yes. what are the 12 tribes of israel and then you're like yeah. oh i mean of course it's all zodiac kind of stuff whatever whatever you want to however you want to far back you want to take it yeah. there's a reason why things happen in 12s it's a really great like mythic um, number with so much weight to it yeah. um, that you could be talking about oh the 12 tribes of Israel and then the 12 disciples like mm. there, there isn't a there isn't a way to read about the 12 disciples without them also being the the 12 tribes of Israel mm. and the people the 12 brothers you know Joseph and the 12 brothers is like of course it's all just made like, I mean it's it's comes from nowhere you know yeah. like it just comes from like we have 12 tribes because 12 is a good round number and where those tribes live like the names of it like there's like the brother is called this and called that and you're like gad isn't a is, isn't a human name it's a town name but mm. they just call the brother it's like oh and this this brother was called birmingham and this brother was called hamburg and this brother was called london and this brother was called you Paris. know tewksbury or whatever yeah. it's going to yeah. be like you that's yeah. what it comes from you know that's yeah. uh, that's where all this comes from and uh, okay. yeah of course you've got john the revelator i just played yeah, you the well, john the is... revelator um, song there as well. Yeah, that's, um, I mean, yeah, it, the um, the novel before yeah. Absolution Gap, yeah, and the one before Redemption Arc, yeah, very much biblical references yeah. titles. Inhibitor phase. No, it's he's taken it because it's twenty years. I mean, he wrote those books twenty years ago. Yeah, you know, I to, I don't mind going on to another one and not having a uh, not having a uh, not tying so much into you know revelation, redemption, absolution. Yes. you know. 
But I'm what I what I just don't know. Like yeah. it, it could be something from the Bible. I wouldn't even know. Well, inhibitor, inhibitor phase is something in inhibitor, the Bible. Inhibitor. I don't know if that's been mentioned. Hey, I don't mind. Um, but what uh, what I did find, uh, what I you know do find interesting in this book is that you've got that, like you say, you want to give your life for your. You get yeah. the failed Messiah, and then all the way through trying to reclaim, redeem. redeem themselves yeah. and reclaim that. Um, but I just want to say I really enjoy that kind of stuff with Alistair Reynolds because he isn't worried about throwing in these, you know, these uh, pop culture references. Like in one of these things is the the Knights of Cydonia. He's one of the Knights of Cydonia. And I was like, wait a second, that's a Muse song. Like Muse, the band, yeah. which we, you know, one of my favorite bands yes. because of course it is because I was yeah. like this 19 like your... year old when their first album came out. <laughs> yeah. or whatever. Or is it, you know, you can always tell who's, what people's favorite albums are going to be. It's sort of like, okay, when they went to university or college and mm. they really got into music for the first time, what was mm. the big album that really swung it for them? Because Muse, I, I was a, you know, Muse is a little bit later than that for me, um, but is right there. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Knights of Cydonia is one of their most famous tracks that they close every concert or pretty much yeah. almost every concert that they've ever done since that that ba- that song came out. They've either opened the show with it or closed the show with yes, it or closed the strong. main part. I, I know they've done it as they, they did some encores after mm. it sometimes, but you know, it's one of their biggest songs. And here you've got the Knights of Cydonia, which is this group of people who fought a war on Mars and yeah. became known as the Knights of Cydonia. And then I was thinking, wait, was the Knights of Cydonia mentioned in the previous books? And now I kind of just want to go back and yeah. type into the, you know, search in the ebooks yeah. for Knights of Cydonia because then, like, maybe Knights of Cydonia by the band Muse, that would have come out, what, on the, that came out on the album Absolution by Muse. Oh. That's the name of the album, is oh. Absolution. And uh. it's got Knights of Cydonia. And I'm like, wait, was this, who, and I was who like, who's influencing who? Who's influencing who? who? Like, the, Absolution Gap came out. The book Absolution Gap came out. Yeah. And it features these characters who were the knights, who now we know are the Knights of Cydonia. Yes. Was the album by Muse named after Absolution Gap and they wrote a song called Knights of Cydonia based on, a, you know, Mars, the area of Mars, the Cydonia area of Mars. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, now I need to go back and read Absolution Gap again to see if they mentioned Knights of... Oh, no, do you have it there? Quick, Absolute let's do Gap. it. Let's pass it over. Um... Do you have it as an ebook? Anyway, it's something that now I want to work out. Did did Muse name their album Absolution with a with a with a uh, a song called Knights of Cydonia on it? Yeah. Um after um Absolution Gap came out. No, but maybe it's not because then their next album, no, it's isn't Absolution. The 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 next it was actually from uh, Knights of Cydonia is from their next album, which is called Black Holes and Revelations. <laughs> so Revelations. Again, Revelations space. So maybe it's all coming back to me here. What's this? Absolution Gap. Okay, let me type in Cydonia. No, it's Cydonia isn't mentioned in Absolution Gap, but no. maybe it's mentioned. In, either way, I appreciate this playing off of like like if if Muse named their, absol- their their albums Absolution and Black Holes and Revelations after Absolution Gap and Revelation Space. Yeah. You know. Well, um, Knights of Sidonia by Muse came out yeah. in 2006. Yes, exactly. It came out after these... On what album was it? Was that on... Uh, Black, yeah, Black, Black Holes, Holes and Revelations. Okay, so Black Holes and Revelations yeah. and their previous album was Absolution. Yes. And are they just naming... Is Muse just naming their albums after Alistair Reynolds' books? Either way, I find it fun that yes. now in this book... Um, Alistair Reynolds, who's his naming some of his like group of characters, called calling them the Knights of Cydonia. Yes, I don't know which way round the uh, the, um, uh, the, uh, the the references are going here, just, but it doesn't seem it doesn't seem accidental on the part of Alistair Reynolds. Yeah, you know, um, or maybe C- Muse. I don't know. Cydonia is that also uh, has it also something to do with Scotland? No, that's Sc- Caledonia. Caledonia. Yeah. Oh, okay. Like in uh, in in um, Dune, with our last episode, we did Dune. Yeah. They they say, oh, they're in Scotland. It's Caledon. Cal- Caledon. Caledonia. Yeah. 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 Cydonia yes, is a, somehow... a part of Mars. Okay. It's, you know, you, you've seen the face on Mars, where you, the picture where it looks just like a human face yeah. of a mountain, yeah. the shadows of it. Yeah. That's Cydonia yeah. uh, on Mars. Okay. So the Knights of Cydonia. Also, I, I really enjoyed in this book where the, the, you didn't pick up on it, but they went to some of the, the Mars, the place that they went on Mars, they went to a musky camp. We're going to go down to this abandoned musky camp. Mm. And I read out that section out to you, which was the muskies, um, which were, you know, the, 
in the long line of um, oh was it Mar- the Mars history was spattered with people who were you know idealistic and overreaching and something like that and all of that kind of stuff and then it says and the Muskies were just one small failed version of that so I really liked it that Elon Musk is yes. getting a name check of a failed Mars mission and uh, reminded me a bit of the um, the, the previous novel that we went we read that was set on Mars which was the Grand Theft Astro yes. by Scott Meyer yeah. and there was MCOT which was a city there which was named after the founder of the city um, plus this, the place in Disneyland that it looked Epcot. like yeah. it was, looked like Epcot yeah. but his MCOT named after Elon Musk city uh, of tomorrow it's yeah. the Elon Musk city of tomorrow yes um and uh, and so I was. I thought that was an interesting little thing. And then I remembered my novel that I wrote, mm. uh, my first novel that I wrote, Minding Tomorrow, that I wrote back in two thousand and eight. Mm. Um, I realised that there's uh, the the space uh, uh, company yeah. that the main character buys in that. Um, I don't think it's. I think it's. Uh, I can't remember the name of it. Um, I think it's called Century Space, but it's called that because the the Century Hawk is what they name their rocket, yes. and that's named after like it's a Century Hawk is Millennium Falcon, yes. named after the fa- like, and your Falcon rocket is named after the Millennium Falcon, yeah. and and I was reading this and I was like, oh, back in two thousand eight, I literally took the exact testing program yeah. of the first private rocket that had ever got into orbit, which mm. was the Falcon 1. Mm. And that happened in August of 2008. Mm. And I wrote my novel in 2008 in November because it was a National Novel Writing Month. And I actually wrote in SpaceX into science fiction then. So I was thinking maybe as anybody who's written science fiction featuring Elon Musk and SpaceX as the next step in science fiction. Maybe my novel that I wrote just at the same time Mm. is the first novel. Maybe I'm the first ever science fiction author to put Elon Musk and SpaceX into a science fiction novel. I don't think so. It may be. I'm not saying it's true. I'm not saying it's correct. I can't think of any other book that I've read which has mentioned Elon Musk or SpaceX or even referenced or even acknowledged that's the thing when we read The Martian I was like The Martian is a really great book as long as you decide that SpaceX doesn't exist and private space flight doesn't exist and that it's all just NASA and other yeah. national programs it's sort of like we need a rocket well the Chinese have got this spare rocket and now you'd be like oh yeah we'll just send up a, a Falcon Heavy a yeah. Falcon Heavy can get to Mars no problem you know that's literally what's happening now yeah. anyone who needs a launch is going we need a launch this 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 um one that NASA's doing where they're going to fly a a spaceship into an asteroid to change its thing Mm. to change its orbit Mm. they were like oh we'll send it up as a ride share because that'll be the that'll be the only way we can afford to launch it And they put out attenders like, who's got space on a ride share up to Geostation Robert that we can set this off mm. on? And SpaceX was just like, oh, no, we can do that for free. Well, not for free. Like, we, yeah, can, but- we, can, have its, we can have its own dedicated launch, you yeah. know. That's yeah. how disruptive SpaceX is, is that they can just be like, oh, yeah, we're on a 30th launch already. Yeah. And China as a country is, is like neck and neck with SpaceX as a company. Yeah. You know. So all of this stuff. Anyway, I just thought it was fun that, uh, that uh, yeah. Alistair Reynolds is... is his history of Mars has already existed in this in this universe, yeah. but he can he can add in SpaceX and Elon Musk as, as a, a footnote a of a footnote, <laughs> yeah. and that's kind of like a real damning like damning position to put uh, SpaceX the the fanatic um, SpaceX followers who who follow this doomed charismatic uh, leader after Mars to die. In yeah, cult cult like yeah, cult like that was it or something. Yeah, you wrote. the cultish thing. Yeah, it's uh, it's one of those things that I think is. Um, so so impressive with Alistair Reynolds' writing is that you, depending on what background knowledge you bring along with you, yes, you can get completely different yeah. experiences and novels out of this novel because there are so many parallels that um, if you don't have the biblical knowledge. It's fine. You still yeah. understand all the all the heavy things. Yeah, the, the, the themes are if, still there. Yeah. If you if you are not like so um, very much uh, knowledgeable about pop culture, you you even then still get these little bits and pieces. And um, and and it's just really great how he puts all the the stories. And this is what makes these stories so so heavy and so yeah. meaningful. Yeah, like the the characters have to. 
battle constantly very meaningful yeah, situations. But everything feels mythic, even if it's yeah. not mythic. Yeah. It's sort of like, what if Mad Max in space as a space opera, but with these like mythic legendary levels of mm. narrative going on? Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I just thought uh, like when I was looking at these Gideon stones, it's yeah. a whole point of it. It says here, just quickly here. Um, he was a uh, um, no, the Wikipedia, page, yeah, Wikipedia page for Gideon. Mm. Um, the idea being that he as a leader of the Israelites, he won a decisive victory over the Midianite army, despite a vast numerical disadvantage, leading a troop of 300 valiant men, um, you know. Wait a second, 300. Why is it 300? Of course, it's the, the people writing this. They're just taking the, you know, all of the different um, legends of the time. Mm. But this is, this is, you know, the movie 300. This is like the Israelites or the Jewish nation's 300 moment. Okay. And it's even a, like a really fake way that they says, all right, all get together, all of these people. How many people do we have? Too many people, send them away. And then you got to, if they all lay down, it's this thing where they have to lay down on the ground. And if anyone lays down to sleep, you send them home. And it's this really fake way of reducing the Israelite army down to only 300 men and then them going and winning the battle. Okay. It's a it's a dumb story, but it's a legendary story. Interesting. And so what kind of men did they gather? Valorian? No. Valiant men. Valiant. Oh, it just means brave, you oh, know, okay. valiant, you know, the oh, so knights they, valiant. So you know. they reduced the army to just the most... Yeah. Capable well, people. It says, uh, Gideon invited any men who wanted to leave. 22,000 men returned home and 10,000 remained. Yet with the number, God told Gideon there were still too many and instructed him to bring them to water. All those who lapped the water with the tongues, in other words, anyone who stuck their head in the water, wasn't paying attention enough. Um, you were put to one side. All those who kneeled down to drink, putting their hands to their mouth, you were put on the other side. And, you know, and, and it's one of these things. Oh, no, maybe it wasn't the sleeping one. Yeah, it was the it was the drinking one. Drinking, okay. yeah. Okay. Um, so, yeah, and it's they got it down. They got the number down from 22,000 men or uh, 30,000 men and they got them down to 300 men sent everyone home and then fought the battle just with those 300 men wait a second it doesn't make any sense don't worry it's a miracle god did a miracle either way gideon was so they had gideon all these was, people gideon then... was being tested by god he went to it anyway then they go okay. out and they win the all battle right. so okay. what we have all i'm saying is that when they talk about gideon stones it doesn't mean anything they've got these nine stones or whatever it is and they stick them to the ship and they could do but the whole point of that the the the, the story of gideon is you you can have a huge cast of characters how many people how few people can we narrow it down to right and uh, and that's kind of what happens in this book like they leave people here leave people there i mean it's 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 just bubbling away there if mm. you know what's going on but just invoking the name gideon and if you know this story mm. you then start reading that story into in different, into, in different parts of the yeah. book you know yeah. uh, which again it doesn't make the book better it just makes it like more interesting and in that yeah. way it makes it better. The story yeah. isn't any better just because you layer in some no, biblical because stuff. Because it was good for me. I I don't know Gideon and that he reduced no. uh, because God said so, just take all the people away. I didn't know that. Uh, but it still it didn't undermine my experience and my uh, enjoyment of, of the stories that happen. Because yeah. Alistair Reynolds is a good enough writer that he doesn't have to solely rely on yeah. these parallels to convey the yeah. uh, the meaning of... Yeah, uh, yeah of un that's unlike a lot of these modern yes. authors who yeah. try and tie in things like, you know, from pop culture, yeah. where they're like, oh, and this, you know, like the Ernst... Yeah. Is it Ernst Klein who wrote the Ready Player One? Yeah. And, or was that a different one? No, no who's Ready, Ready Player One? Whoever it's all uh, like, and that is, like, literally footnotes, this is referencing the movie Breakfast yeah. Club, where this yeah. person yeah. does this and that, and you're like, oh, my and, goodness. And exactly, so they are, they are taking a reference, explaining the reference instead of taking the story and explaining with their own story what happens in the reference. Yeah. And this is what Alastair Reynolds does. Mm. He does not then uh, put out uh, like a, a thought by the main character. Oh, I remember uh, in uh, ancient scripture yeah. that there was this guy and he did this. This is not what he writes. Yeah. He writes the story in his book. Yeah. That explains to me, yeah. who has no idea about stories and scriptures yeah. from the Bible, but I get the same 
Yeah. Actually, now I remember the conversation that we had on the way back from the Czech Republic. I was explaining to you, Mary, why are there so many Marys in, yeah. the, in the New Testament? Yeah. And Mary is the mother of Jesus who went down to Israel and they were going to kill, you know, because they were, no, they went down from, from Israel. They went down to, uh, or from Judah, they went down to Egypt and back out of Egypt. And the king was going to kill all the newborn children and stuff. And I was like, yeah, and Moses is, Mo, the, 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 the sister of Moses was called Miriam and she was like the leader and she was the you know they were going to yeah. kill the, the king was going to kill or Pharaoh was going to kill all the firstborn yeah. Israelites you know yeah. and it's the, it's you realize oh it's the same story Mary is doing the same thing yes but in one of them Mary is the sister Miriam is the sister in other words Mary is the is the uh, mother but then when you need other characters to do the same kind of things that Mar- Miriam was doing in the Old Testament you've got to bring in another character called Mary you yes know, into and the point by... where Jesus is, is being resurrected like Mary and Mary and Mary and Mary stood off to this side yes, and <laughs> yeah and by by citing yeah. and by calling this character yeah. Mary yeah. you're already handing it uh, a lot of I would say baggage but yeah. you you give it already the the symbolism it mm. needs and yeah. you don't then have to describe all what this person did you yeah. just say oh this is She's called Mary, and then everybody yeah, already thinks, like, oh, yeah. oh, 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 it's Mary. Liter- uh-huh, it's literally uh-huh. like in the modern world yeah. saying, oh, this person uh, is called Luke and mm. comes from a, a, a dusty a desert planet mm. and then goes and meets someone called Ben. And you're like, wait, Luke and Ben? Mm. <laughs> you know, what's going on here? And you're like, yeah, well, Joshua and Jesus are the same name, yeah. you know? And the, Joshua had the 12 and Jesus had the 12 yeah. and Jesus came, you know, Miriam yeah. brought... You, so you know, it's, 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 it's kind of like surfing on the pre-knowledge of yeah. things. Yeah. And, and it keeps happening it again keeps and keeps happening again, again and again and, in the and, Bible. And, and, and all honest, Alistair Reynolds is doing is tapping into that. Exactly. And this is not just Alistair Reynolds doing it and the Bible doing no. it. This is literally happening in all of literally culture and yeah. in this respect pop culture this is literally what's happening yeah. in the uh, Star Wars universe yeah, yeah, yeah. every movie they are referencing and playing again and again yeah, the well, that's same what we, said. we watched Dune story. and yeah. Dune is playing off some of the uh, some of what we said it's actually playing off the previous Dune movie but that Dune movie was playing off the Star Wars movie that had just come out but Star Wars itself was playing off Dune the yeah, book, the with, book. Yeah, <laughs> it's, because it's, the thing is I think humans are only really capable of telling, let's say, three kinds of stories. No, I, and it's, I it's, utterly <laughs> disagree. I utterly disagree with everyone who says originality doesn't exist and people are just retelling the same stories over and over again. Mm. I fundamentally disagree with that. I think the best storytellers have a mix of 50% originality and things that you that make you uncomfortable and 50% of stuff which is so foundational it's impossible not to find it everywhere else in fiction and everywhere else in life yeah and what Alistair Reynolds has done here, he's done space opera Mad Max with a biblical imagery and fucking Muse soundtrack over the top of it. <laughs> like whatever you, whatever you want to do. Yeah. And I'm not saying that nothing in this book is massively original, but Alistair Reynolds has created an original reading experience oh, yes. with this book. I- I'm not saying that the stories are not original, yeah. but the themes yeah. that we find in books... yeah. Well, uh, they're universe, they're hum- human yes, universal exactly. themes. So, of course, yeah. we're gonna the best books are gonna tap into deep-seated human societal yeah. religious themes as yeah. as they're gonna go through. Anyway, I we've talked a lot enough about this. We've talked about Muse and got through all my notes here. Um, you wanted to actually blow the spoiler horn. Let's blow the spoiler horn because there's literally only one thing I want to talk about, but it is like the one of the main storylines of like who is uh, was his Miguel Duraita and his his point of view story throughout the book so just before i wrap this up i'm gonna rate this book four stars it might sound like i'm gushing over it but weirdly coming off the back of uh absolution gap and you know knowing the revelation space i think this is a minor book in the revelation space and it depends so much on previous reading yes. of, of the pre- knowledge of the previous books. It doesn't stand alone as a as a, it doesn't it doesn't hold up as a standalone novel, which I'm not looking for. I'm looking for a continuation yes, of a story. Exactly. It's yeah. but it is because it's a very straightforward one character viewpoint going through in a straight line. It doesn't have that same like. Uh, 
I don't know. It's more difficult to play themes off one against each other if you're just with one person all the time. It's yeah. much easier to play themes and try and do things like interesting story when you're switching between different characters. And I think the strength of the other books is the switching between locations yeah. and switching between time frames and the decisions in that way. Uh, I think this book is very much a transitional book. It is right. very much like a, um, a book full with story that mm. needs to be told to connect things yeah it's like a connector book yeah, for me kind of it's a connector book between absolution gap and the epilogue of absolution yeah. gap yeah, yeah, it's a yeah, book, yeah. And, yeah, and i think that's the other thing yeah. it's a book which is expertly set between two known points in a story yes but alistair reynolds doesn't worry about that because the prefect you know the elysium fire books are set before the melding plague we know how this is going to end or we know the kind of things that's coming in the future yeah. of that book that's the next or one of the next novels he's releasing next year i think is oh, okay. is the third, the third book in the prefect prefect dryfus series so and and he says we're going to get back and really discover what the clockmaker is and what what's going on with the clockmaker. Yeah. Which, again, I think is referenced in this it's book as well. It's important to this book yeah. as well. Well, yeah. it's, it's not important no, to this book. It's it, referenced. Yes. And the, and the different characters have yeah. clock-based names. Yes, that's true. All right, okay. so okay. four now, stars spoiler. for me. Yeah, okay. And you? Uh, I will also give it four stars. Really? That was my first gut instinct okay. to give it four that's stars. Uh, because uh, because it is, um, it I, yeah, it's missing the standalone book kind of status. Yeah. And it is very much a book in the series. Yeah. Um, which isn't bad. I think it's a good book in the it's series. It's not bad. But it's been such a long time. Writing has moved on. Storytelling has moved on. Yeah. Um, which is fine. And it's it's a good book. I really enjoyed it. I mean, I did not enjoy it. Uh, it's, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a weird one because it's so post-apocalyptic oh, and so grim. Oh. I, think it's, I love that. Like, horror. if someone's going to yeah. write a book like this, yeah. this is expert level weird and grim. Oh, yeah. And... Uh, and yeah, the Revelation Space Universe. If people have spent time there, not the not the pre not the prefect, not prefect Dreyfus. No, that's uh, it has a totally different yeah, tone. Yeah, a totally different tone. But all mm. the other ones, if you read, um, you know, the uh, was it Galactic North and uh, Turquoise? Was it Diamond Dogs and Turquoise Days? I can't remember what it is. Mm. Diamond Diamond Days and Turquoise Dogs? No, I can't remember what it is. Anyway. It's a two, two, a two, two novellas. It's yeah. two novellas, the standalone novellas. Yeah. Anyway, good stuff in this book. Yeah. Right, let's blow the spoiler horn and I want to talk for like just five minutes, ten minutes, yeah. maybe just about the point. Po point of view character as well. Yeah. Let's do it. Spoiler horn now. Go. Me? Yeah. <laughs> people know the spoiler horn. Okay. Thank you very much, Uncomfortable Podcast, for introducing me to the spoiler horn. Because if people are listening in fast forward and they're not really paying attention, they've missed us talking about we're going to do spoilers now. This noise. This is now. You can't miss the spoiler horn. No, now you've done it twice. Yeah, two two times to wake two someone times. up. They're like, oh, oh yeah. what's going on? Okay, don't listen if you haven't read this book. Okay, if you do interested. your point and I do my point. Okay, my point. Yeah. The At the very end, right. what he does, especially you just talked about the main character viewpoint yeah is amazing is genius okay well let me let's How... explain what happens because some people will have read the book and now they don't mind the spoilers yes the other reason to skip the spoilers is if you just don't care yes. and you're never going to read it or you just you don't care about spoilers or whatever yeah. it is so what happens in this book for people who haven't read it and to refresh people who have read it is that at the start we have a character called miguel de Reiter. yeah uh, which is probably a reference to something, but I didn't recognize oh, the reference. Oh, it's, like, it's the 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 knight. Oh, writer is knight, isn't it? Yeah. Michael the knight. Michael the knight. Michael knight. Yeah. Michael knight writer. Is it yeah. Michael knight writer? I don't know. It's it's definitely it could be. the tra oh, yeah, translation. Michael the writer. Yeah. Okay. Whatever. Michael knight. So this guy. Do, has had his some of his memories re reduced, removed. Yeah. He's done it himself, and yeah. then also other things have come in play. There's some things because he's got a past and he wants to escape the past, so he takes on a new identity and removes his things. Someone comes along and says, "Ah, right, you're this person, and we need you." And it's slowly revealed that he's the brother of the, one of the main characters in the previous three books. Warren Clavain is his real name, yeah, and, and he's, so he's the his brother, brother of to Nigel. Neville. Neville, Neville. 
Neville. Neville yeah, Clavain. So Neville Clavain and Warren Clavain. <laughs> yes. And so he is then goes throughout the book and he does and it's the the same slow slow revelation of oh you've got memories missing and it seems like so many books that I've read recently which have done this. Yes. You know your memories are missing you don't know who you are and now as the story goes on we're going to slowly reveal to you what was the one it was the um what was the one where they go to another place into like the the dumb one who wrote the martian andy weir andy weirs whatever his recent novel was that was the thing that happened and it was so frustrating that were like and oh, now yeah, your yeah, memories yeah. are going to come yeah. back to you in this way in yeah. a perfectly and it ha- always happens exactly when when the story yeah. continues yeah, yeah and in this it happens as well but the memories are kind of restricted to just one mission you're like yeah. oh let's just do it so it's not like your memories from your entire oh the other one was the uh, war break not the war break what was it called Warhammer? Ki- no no Uh, the Brandon Sanderson one Oathbringer Oathbringer Oathbreaker Oathbringer they did the same thing which was done very well in there mm. and it's completely excusable because it's sort of like and magic is the reason why this is happening yeah. like, oh magic I was magic. cursed and now it's coming back yes magic so it, when you just magic it doesn't need to make sense yeah. and here it's a kind of subtle thing that he gets this it's just this one mission to Mars yes which is revealed to be very important but then once that's all done What he, what they then do is go to the pattern juggler world and he jumps into the pattern juggler and his the memories of his brother are going to be in, in there, him. which we read in, in Absolution Gap. Yeah. Because uh, Neville Clavain said, as soon as I die, dump me into the sea as quickly as possible. Yeah. So that he the says, pattern jugglers me. can just extract my memory. May, he's, he hopes that his that- brain can be, his memories can be extracted out. So Warren jumps into the sea yeah. to be able to get this stuff out. Yeah. Meanwhile, Scythe, who is, not Scythe, that's the name of the ship. Glass. Glass who is another character who's been taking along and has actually been helping him rewire his brain to get his memories back and needs him. She also swims with the passenger jugglers. And this means that they can get back memories from previous people who have swam with the passenger jugglers. That's the idea. Yes. And she wants to heal herself. Yeah, she needs to heal herself. And she's swam with the pattern jugglers before. And there's other stuff going on there, which again, spoilers, spoilers, whatever. Lots of stuff going on. And then... Warren Clavain climbs out of the of the pattern juggler pl- uh, sea into a boat, and suddenly he as actually isn't there anymore. He's dissolved, but his memories, combined with some of the memories of his brother, yeah. Neville and Warren, have combined into one thing. But then those memories have also been implanted into Glass, who is now part Glass uh, and part Warren. Warren, and a little bit Neville. Yes. And then the rest of the book, like the last quarter of the book, the point of view character switches from Miguel slash Warren yeah. from the first three quarters of the book, switches to one person with two people inside their head. Yeah. One of them is Glass, the main person whose body it is. Plus, plus um, Warren is in there as well uh, in, in her head. Him, he is in her head. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Like they, they, they are both there, become yeah. a new person. Yes, and, um, and also, um, what I find the, the revelation that I found also absolutely genius yeah. was that throughout the book we get to know about this mission that they were on. Yeah, like he was on the mission, and we only get to know the um the code name the code names of these people. We never yeah. get to know like the, there's a uh, whatever Ravi and uh, yeah. Tom and whatever. Yeah. We don't we don't know who these people are. Yeah, but over the course of what happens, we get to know. Oh, these people. Yeah, who are now in one body. Yeah, were on this together. Yes. And it's, it's oh, just, I see what you mean. Yes, yeah. The um, the mission to the the yeah, Knights of Sidonia like mission to Mars. And, uh, yeah, there was charity. Hope, hope, faith, and charity yes. were the three characters. Yeah, hope, faith, hope. And then we hope, have it again. We have that's the the planes that flew around Malta in the Second World War. Britain had only oh. three planes. There were these three biplanes, and they were called Faith, Hope, and Charity. Okay. And uh, again, built the, named after something biblical, but of Faith, course. Hope, and Charity were yeah. the, the the names of these three planes and these three biplanes. It's a real three hundred. It's a real Gideon story yeah. that there you know that it was like these three planes managed to stop any German planes coming and landing mm. and like invading Malta so uh, more yeah. references yeah more references and anyway so we have again uh, a layer on top of people who are already who have shed their 
personalities before and now we have another layer of oh is another yeah. code name is another name that somebody gave themselves and uh, and i thought that this kind of merging everything together in the end was was genius so you have yeah. a person that was killed by the other person then in that in the body of the leftover yeah of the mind of it's yeah so incredible. in the previous podcast or one of the previous podcasts where i was talking about oathbringer by brandon sanderson yeah they had this same kind of thing two people in one person's head kind of yeah. thing in this way in this case it was like a magical split personality yeah. of someone called um can't remember anyway shallon and then her uh, mm. alternate was called don't remember her name. Doesn't yeah. even matter. Mm. But they had two people. And I said it was really annoying that every time that they were like, oh, this person's in love with that person and that one's got mm. the hots with this other person. Yeah. And But every time they started, I was like, oh, this is clever. And then Brandon Sanderson would suddenly explain it to everyone and says, oh, I'm this person. <laughs> no, it was Vale. Her name was, I'm Vale and I've got the hots for this guy. And I'm Shallon and I'm really happy with Adelon. I like Talalon and I like Adelon or whatever the names are. Danilin <laughs> and Adelin. Um, and, they, but, and then he would explain Playing, oh, and it's because I've got these two different magical personalities that actually they're very different. And it was yeah. really annoying that every time he approached being clever with it, Brandon Sanderson would then explain it over and over again mm. to what's going on in the characters. Yeah. Now, here's the thing when they realize that faith and hope or whoever the two people were are suddenly now in the same thing and, and that the, the chair oh was it charity, charity yeah. yeah whichever way around it goes, that mm. they had a history together and now they're sharing the same brain. But here's the thing. Up until that point, everything that Warren Clavain was doing, mm. or Miguel de Reiter, Michael Knight was doing, everything that he was doing, he was thinking through the reasons for doing it, mm. making decisions, and then doing it. Mm -hmm. And even people were criticizing him, saying, wow, you talk a lot. You're talking through what you're doing really a lot. Like, you're putting a lot of thought into what you're doing, and you're agonizing over these decisions, and you're planning things out because you're the you know military strategist, whatever you need to do. And then, as soon as he's in somebody else's head, yeah. the point of view stays the same yeah. in a way that it's this first-person narrative. Yeah. But suddenly it's this distance-person narrative, and you realize, oh, the main character, we're not seeing the decisions that the main character is making. Mm. The main character is sort of like, I did this, and I did that, and I did that. And it's like, up until now, you were a clever person that we were following along making decisions. Like, I'm going to make this plan. It's the best way. Yes, I'm going to explain, you know, like... And then the viewpoint, its it was so clever and it was kind of annoying that, oh, suddenly we're like this person, our main character has been implanted in someone else's head. We're following along still with Warren, who is in Glass's head. Yeah. And they say that they're the same character, but they're not. He is now a passenger. And weirdly enough, for that last quarter of the book, we as readers become more of a passenger. Yeah. And then the revelation at the end of the book <laughs> is that Glass is also been a passenger or Glass has another passenger. Yes. She has got a mind controlled slug living in her <laughs> chest, which is also doing that. And you're like, holy shit, I thought this was clever that we were just <laughs> this one level removed from um, like someone's volition. And like, how does Glass know this? Where, where does Glass know this? And I was like, great, we're inside a head. Now we're going to know how Glass knows all of this. And we didn't. And I was really frustrated. I was like, wait, all this time we're like who's glass why does glass know this how does glass know where we're going how did glass get that thing with that that thing that they're building in there and there's this other thing like what does glass know that she can get through all of this and we're like now we're in ahead now it's all going to be revealed to us we're going to have glasses we're going to know what glass knows now and everything that's always the thing that annoys me in novels where like this character knows all the answers and this other character doesn't but because the other first character is not the viewpoint character well, we are not spending our time with that character yeah we have to wait for them to decide that it's now time to share with the first person what the plot is about and i was like now it's going to happen because now we're inside her head i was like great and it didn't happen and i was like glass we're in your head tell us what's happening and it was only until like those last like four chapters where we're like oh glass also wasn't in control no. of everything that was going on she also had something else in her this mind control slug which was giving her these instructions like yeah. it's really weird because the other characters understand more what's going on than i did like they're like oh yeah you just happen to know the code word to get into this yeah. alien spaceship and she's like yeah i i guess i, I met I, uh, I guess i met someone who told me and and scorpio is like nodding along going yeah right yeah. what's going on and me as the reader i'm like i still don't get it there's still something i'm missing yes. and then when it's revealed and and it's always great when an author is 
brave enough. I know this is weird because this is sprinkled throughout the whole book. This stuff is happening throughout the whole book. Yeah. And it's rare that a book, well, not, I wouldn't say rare, but I always like it when a book uh, is clever enough to, to to hold that over me. Yeah. And also I was, I felt frustrated mm. in that like section of the, like in that end section of the book. I was like, that I, mu- I was literally going, Alistair Reynolds is better at writing that I'm giving him credit for now because I'm actually annoyed with this book because he's doing the writing mistakes which annoy me the most. Like he's doing he's doing something now which I find very, very unsatisfying. But is it's when, not a mistake. I know. And I wish I'd have given Alistair Reynolds more credit in a way. Oh, this is but, the kind of stuff that I just always just go along with it. Yes, because I was going along with it, but I was like, oh, I I'm slightly unsatisfied until those last few chapters where I was like, oh, turns out Alistair Reynolds, yeah. cleverer than me. Yes. And it's one, of those, it's one of those things. <laughs> he he makes it so you had, a, let's say, four layers. Mm. And you as the reader, if you are a clever reader, you see the two layers. If you are slightly more clever and get the different points that he yeah. sprinkles throughout and you get to the layer three yeah you are very clever and you feel yeah. good about yourself and then you think like mm, uh, something weird but then I, there's only- layer four going on the point is i got to level three but yeah. i didn't feel clever i didn't feel good about myself because i'm like oh that's kind of unsatisfying to get to this level mm. now and it's and it's clever what he's doing but unsatisfying what he's doing but then that was just the setup to show that the lack of agency that you have as a passenger in somebody else's head like we're it, it's weird to be the our viewpoint character be the person inside somebody else's head yeah. who is merely a passenger and not actually making the decisions yeah. is frustrating but then you realize that the head that that person is in is also, also a passenger, a passenger. Yeah. and at, when they first go into that that um that spaceship there yeah. that last spaceship and they're with the shell builders and they're like actually these shell builders they're just passengers here yeah. they're, they're just drones they're passengers on their own, yeah. on their own they're, they're passengers in their own body no yeah. they're, 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 yeah. they're they themselves are just drones now because yeah. they've been taken over and bred by this but they don't have any free will of their own yeah. and I'm like oh that's in-. and I was thinking oh that's interesting because that's the position that um, Warren is in inside Glass's head he's now a passenger I'm like oh this is very clever like, he's paralleling he's paralleling this you know this pa- someone being a passenger in somebody else's brain or body yeah I thought, oh, this is good storytelling because he's, you know, mirroring the two different situations. Mm. These drone bodies have different things and he is. But no, it was he took it one step further. And I was like, ah, very good. Very, very well done. Very well done. And again, I think that's probably why I'm another reason why I'm knocking it down to four stars, because I do rate my overall reading enjoyment. Mm. And I appreciate someone with the vision for a story to do that to me, to literally lose me for like not a quarter of the book but there was a big chunk of the book at the end there where I was like oh I just feel like I'm along for a ride now and it wasn't a fun experience paid off by the the good ending but still it did feel there was a few hours of the audiobook which felt really dragging at that point okay I didn't have that experience. I, I'm just saying that was my experience yeah. that I had, but it, I couldn't really talk about it the first part part of the book because it was it was based on it was based on my uh, the yeah spoilers really. You are spoilers. I yeah. don't even say spoilers or whatever. No, but it's. I think it is. It is a spoiler to say that at the end everything is going to be revealed. In yeah, this. I mean, yeah, yeah, it's a revelation. It's yeah. Again, it, it, this isn't a spoiler because the people listening now have read the book or... Or don't care. It's not a spoiler. We're just talking about yes. it, you yeah. know. No, it's, I'm not spoiling it for anything. No, no, no. I didn't mean... To, like, yeah. I didn't say that. But uh, um, I, for me, I think it's... Be- I gave it four stars because of the the desperation grimness. Yeah. Like, Again, it's not it's always just, enjoyable. Exactly. And... and like how sometimes many cannibalism wish, scenes yes, can you have in a book? Yes, yes. And sometimes I wish, um, this is why I'm looking forward to the third prefect book. I, I don't know. The, the first prefect book was just one I really enjoyed yeah. because it has an absolutely different... Yeah, it's a, it's a police it's procedural, a mystery, like whodunit mystery yeah. kind of... And because at that point, um, we still have the glitter band. Yeah. And it it has not. It's a fun place we to are be. not in yeah. the dystopia yet. And you should so, read Chasm City. Chasm City is a really good book. Yeah. Yeah. We should get back to it. Maybe not straight away because we've done a, a few Alistair Reynolds books. Yeah. Chasm City has got more in common with these Revelation space books because it's set during the melding place. In fact, it's one of those things where I think in that book someone sets off on one planet. 
mm. um, and the melding plate hasn't happened, and then they reach Yellowstone, and the and melding plate has happened. happened. So they're oh, like, yeah. oh shit, the world has fallen apart. Oh, so no. it's, it's like it's one of those crossing in between. Yeah, in between books. Yeah. Then. Okay. Well, I, uh, I just, and that's definitely a standalone book. I did enjoy this book, and I think Alistair Reynolds is just a really good author. He, He's just very the good way, at writing. Yeah, the way he handles words and makes stories and connects them is just genius. It's just great. And I I rarely say this kind of stuff. No, it's it's really good to have a writer who is just very good. I mean, it's, it's weird to say this, but like someone who is just very good. And of course, yeah. this book, let me check it out on Goodreads. It's probably got a really high rating because it's the people who like Alistair Reynolds yeah. and like the series are probably going to go into it, yeah. into this book and get it. Yeah, like 4.24. I mean, that's the kind of rating that you get like like deep into a series or yeah. another book set in a world where it's like the fans of the author and the fans of the book yeah. come back, yeah. read the book in the first few months Nobody it comes out. Nobody would just randomly just pick up this book without no. having had any uh, connection. Well, could, I, I looked at some reviews before. Somebody else actually mentioned that it's Mad Max, but they were oh. just saying that because the, the 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 going into the the pig the pig farm is a bit <sighs> Thunderdome-ish, and I was like, yeah, no, it's... but I had I already had that in my head because yeah. it's like the whole the whole straight line storytelling of a yeah. Mad Max movie. Yeah. Um. All right, that's it. I think we should wrap it up there. Yes, I we, think so we, too. Because uh, we've got stuff to do today. Yes. Juliana has to rest because yeah. she keeps working too hard. And I know. We finished this book last Sunday. You finished this book last Sunday, and it's now this Sunday. So yes, I just did, because just we're too busy. Have any time yeah. and strength <laughs> it's mostly energy because we sat down energy. yesterday yeah. evening and i was like ready for the podcast and you're like oh, oh. and i was like right let's just go and hang out on the couch and watch television we're watching uh, another apple tv series yes uh, which is um the, the morning, morning show, show which is very good television oh it's so hardcore it's, i mean it gets really into we're the... not going to review it now no. i'm just saying that we we are so far a fan of the apple tv series that we've watched all three of them yeah. which is um the, uh, the spaceship one for all mankind, Ted Lasso and the yeah. morning show. Yeah. It's, I don't know. So good, good when, television. Way, I haven't watched Netflix this year. I think there's maybe yeah. one movie that I've watched Netflix this year. Yeah. All I've watched is the Disney Plus and the Apple TV because they're the one, they're the places where the quality is. Netflix, there's never a show now on Netflix where I'm like, oh, that feel, that sounds really good. It's never prestige te- television. Yeah. It's never at that high level. It's yeah. always just filler television. And also what happened now is um, because there's more streaming services, um, previously you, you had access via Netflix to old shows from like the BBC or yeah. the uh, other shows that but Netflix is just Netflix it's, stuff now. It, you, you don't have that anymore. So any shows I want to look up and see if I can watch them because people recommend it. Yeah. It's always, I have to always pay for it. Yeah. And I'm, always already, to... I'm already paying for three subscription yeah. I services. I think we should just cancel Netflix because we just don't watch Netflix anymore. Yeah. And also we don't, it's not even in 4K. You have to pay extra to get 4K for the, game, for the yeah. television. Maybe we should just, anyway, didn't want to suddenly talk about uh, TV. Uh, <laughs> you can you can follow us on uh, Twitter. I'm at Luke Burridge and Juliana's at J-U-K-U Berlin. Yeah. Same on Instagram too. Yeah. Um, and I'm, follow us on Goodreads. Yeah, uh, follow us on Goodreads, become our friends on Goodreads. Oh, let, let me see who else of our friends have, have rated this. Uh, Rick rated this four stars. Um, so good. Uh, Adam, four stars. David, four stars. Yeah, mostly four stars. And, and Soren Arga rated it three stars. So mostly three and four stars um, rating of inhibitor phase. So yeah, uh, yeah not many reviews solid. so far, but a solid four, 4.0 rating here. I'm going to give it four stars. Right, that's it from us. Thanks a lot for listening and we'll catch you next time. Goodbye.